Welcome to the Harrington Star FinTech Diversity, Equity and Inclusion Discussions. I want to showcase people across our industry who are advocates for change. I love to celebrate the wins, but we know there is so much more to be done to ensure that change actually happens to build a truly inclusive industry. In these diversity, equity and inclusion discussions, I have a number of series. The Humans of FinTech, The Talent Surgery, The Maternity and Paternity Stories, and the longest running of all, the Women of FinTech podcast series. I do lots of work to drive change campaigns across our industry to increase inclusion within the workplace. So please contact me to see how we can partner together. You can contact me through LinkedIn or on my email, nadia.edwards-dashti at harringtonstar.com. In the meantime, enjoy the show. Welcome to the Humans of Fintech Diversity, Equity and Inclusion podcast series. We are here today to celebrate the wins, raise awareness of the challenges and walk the talk for change across the entire industry. Today we are joined by Jamie Howard, the CTO of Capilon Tap, a leading UK fintech firm for SME lending and payments. Capilon Tap offer SMEs in the UK a credit facility of up to £50,000 and a corporate visa card to help grow their business. They've lent over £2 billion in the past five years and have been named one of the 50 fastest growing tech companies in the UK by the Sunday Times. Jamie is passionate about cultivating the most effective working environment through diversity and inclusion and has taken responsibility for their LGBTQ community. He is here today to share his story. Jamie, welcome, really happy to have you. Happy to be here, Nadia, thank you. So it'd be brilliant if you could tell us a bit more about your background and your experience in the FinTech sector. Sure, so I've been at Capitalon Tap since 2013, so almost, almost eight years now, and it's my one and only job in the, the FinTech sector. I've never been that bothered about what sectors I work in. At my heart, I'm an engineer. I like to build stuff and I wanted to build a business. And there was kind of a, um, a negative opinion on the financial services following the banking crisis in 2008, but that didn't really put me off. What really interested me was when I interviewed with the CEO, his passion for wanting to build a new business. And he has always maintained that, this is a direct quote, is that we want to build a company our mothers would be proud of. Oh my God, um, I love that. It's really, it's, it's a really nice sentiment. And, and I mean, my mum passed away the year before I started at Capital Tap. So this, this is something that was always resonated with me. And very personal to you, I can imagine. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. I've worked in a number of sectors, but usually I've worked in uh, fairly young companies, companies that are just kind of starting out. And that's my niche. That's where I enjoy the challenge. Yeah, and that sounds brilliant. I love how you've described that. Because you're absolutely right. There is a perception of the financial services and the fintech industry. And I think it's great that you coming from that build mentality that you wanted to build something different. And wow, you definitely have done that. So moving on to my next question, I wanted to talk a bit more about you over the years, you've always been an advocate for diversity and inclusion within the workplace. And as you know, I am, am hugely supportive of that. Can you tell us a bit about where that comes from? Yeah, actually, when 
I was looking at the questions. This is something that really made me think because I wasn't entirely sure. But then when I really looked into it, obviously, firstly, growing up in the 80s and 90s and being gay myself, I've always felt somewhat on the outside looking in. I think it's different today. I think younger gay people, LGBT people, have more confidence and more self-assuredness. But for me, it was a bit different. I think a lot of people who grew up in that time felt somewhat of an outsider. And when I was at university, I had a job, just a Saturday job. And I came to work one day wearing a red ribbon for AIDS awareness. And my manager stopped me and told me to take it off. The customers might believe I had the virus and it would hurt sales. And I was quite taken aback by that because this was, again, early days of red ribbon and it was in the late 90s. And I was just wanting to show some support. I was, uh, I was active in the LGBT community within my university and I thought it was a good thing to do. Mm. Also didn't think it would be a particularly contentious thing to do either, but I was obviously wrong on that. <laughs> and even after I graduated my first job, I, mean, I wasn't out in the workplace aside from a few colleagues, but when I was attending like a client entertainment evening, I was told to keep my sexuality quiet as it might put them off. Wow. And to be honest, after that, I decided I'm just going to be as open as I, as I want yeah, to good be. good for you. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So I think all of that kind of feeling of not being the same as others has really prompted my kind of passion for supporting diversity and inclusion. Mm. And thank you for sharing that, because I think often, you know, when I ask people, where does it come from? Like I'm, I'm all about, you know, we're in the fintech community and that kind of lived experience that then builds a company. I think that lived experience builds a passion to ensure that we are authentically diverse and authentically inclusive. Thank you for being so honest with your story of where it comes from. Now, I know that, you know, you believe that your team is more effective because of its diversity and I'm so interested in this as a, a topic of conversation as you can imagine I speak to so many people about why inclusion is so important you know you kind of got to start there sometimes with people so it'd be really good to hear your thoughts around that. Diversity to, to me I'm, I imagine to most people just it just means difference like whether it's race, religion, gender, sexuality, background, nationality, anything that makes someone different but special um, to other people. And I believe that a high-functioning team comes from an environment that encourages a couple of things like a safe environment for healthy debate. And the best debates come from a diverse team. As someone's background, someone's difference influences their point of view. When you have a multitude of voices and different opinions, that's when you can really distill things like planning or architecture or um, how you run the team, you can really distill it down to a really good, effective way of working. And at the company, we've run some events where we learn about other people's religions. And it's really interesting. It's got nothing to do with the job at all, but it's really fun to learn new stuff, even if it's not technology. Mm. Yeah, and I love that sentiment. And I think, you know, the fact that you're learning about different religions, like it's, it's just being more aware, isn't it? And more aware of what the different perspectives are because of those lived experiences and what other people's normal, like their bar for normal is. I think that's really, really interesting to learn about that whole concept. If someone is comfortable to talk about their religion, which can be a, a sensitive subject for someone, mm. It means that they're going to be more comfortable talking to you about their opinions as well. So it just 
if you've got that environment where people are happy to have those kinds of conversations, it just leads into all the other parts of the working life. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. Like, as you know, I speak to a number of your colleagues across the business. I've had Zoe Newman on the Women of Fintech podcast. I've had Philippa on our Talent Surgery podcast series as well. So I'm a big fan of the Capital on Tap show. And I just know how important that sort of psychological safety is to you as a business so that people can openly say, I don't know whether that's the best suggestion for this product or for this line of thinking or and that debate it just seems so much more open within your business because it's not attacking it's just open debate about how we get to the best solutions so for me all of this makes sense and I really want other companies to be listening to this other teams to be listening to this and think what can we implement but I think we have to be quite honest that across the industry there are a number of barriers that we need to overcome so I wanted to ask you about those. Fintech still isn't seen as a particularly sexy sector to work in. I think there's a view that finance is just for the old and dusty white middle-class men. And we've been turned down by candidates in the past purely for the perceived image of financial services. And while this has been changing over the last few years, we need to do a lot more to advertise kind of the platforms and technologies that we embrace, the communities and the differences in people that we embrace. One of the biggest things, and it's not necessarily a fintech-related item, but it's pervasive throughout the coding world, is that we still need to do more to encourage women into technical roles. It's a problem that's well-known, but it's not a problem that people seem to know how to solve. I'm certainly not going to admit I, I know how to solve it. I think there's lots of things that we can do, but it, it does need society to raise awareness of the sector, the industry, the, the type of work that we do so that girls growing up aspire to be working within the technical industry. Mm. Yeah, I completely agree. And I'm really you know, confident in some of the campaigns that we run to try and make changes happen. But something really interesting that I spoke to um, somebody about recently, and this was a woman on the Women of Fintech podcast series, and she said that her daughter was part of a club, had won a competition about building a robot. And she had gone to whatever the external class uh, was. This was way before COVID. And by lunchtime, she called her mum and said, can you come and get me? And she had won a competition to build a robot, right? But she didn't want to continue with this class. By the time she got to lunch, she wanted her mum to come and get her. And it was because she said that the class was full of boys and there was no one that she could talk to in there. And that broke my heart because even though that story is actually from a couple of years ago, we haven't shifted the needle across these last couple of years at all. And it's really important that we start doing that. And I, I know that there are so many people in the industry that go and speak at schools and people that speak at universities. I, I absolutely love doing that. But there is a societal shift, I agree with you, that needs to happen and much more of us need to get involved. I actually think it was... It got better a few years ago. After the turn of the millennium, you had the kind of the dot-com boom. I remember working with a significantly bigger proportion of women than we do today. So I don't know what happened then. I don't know what prompted a change. Definitely something that we need to, to be doing more with. We use a few hiring platforms. And it's just the case that there are significantly more men on there than women. And this is the kind of problem that needs to be, we need to do something now to solve the problem. 
Mm, yeah, I, I completely agree with you. We look at technologists across the whole of the UK today, and in every 100, you have 83 that are men and 17 that are women. And that's why, you know, I call my campaign the 17% list to raise the visibility of the 17% that happen to be women. One of the biggest problems is that when you hire and recruit, it's because you need it done fast. You know, if you're only going to get a snapshot of the market, you're much more likely to see the 83% than the 17. You know, as a recruiter myself, I'm trying to kind of change the way we recruit. But again, you know, it's a big thing for the industry, for any industry. And it's a big thing for society as well to, to really shift that needle with regards to the perception of technology, the perception of finance, the perception of fintech. So this is why I think podcasts such as this, to hear from you and your background, your lived experience, these are the things that really make a difference. And it's so, so important you're being as honest as, as you are. So I thank you for that. One of the things I really wanted to celebrate was that you said uh, you've never worked in a company as diverse as Capital on Tap. And I think that's so, so wonderful to hear. And I wanted to hear how you as a business are investing um, and, and have invested into people. Over the past few years, our head of people, Philippa, uh, she's worked so hard to arrange a number of initiatives, things like training budgets, anniversary rewards, and more recently, a real focus on mental health services. And in COVID world, lockdown, working remote world, this has been a big topic of conversation throughout the management team. On top of that, we've tried to foster a really strong personal development program. I've spent quite a lot of time putting together kind of a matrix pathways for the engineers in my team to, to follow, to help them achieve their kind of career goals. And it's not about how to get more work out of them. It's genuinely how to help them develop themselves so that everything they can to achieve their career goals. In addition to that, we have a number of company-wide activities. Uh, so we have a, an innovation tap and a hackathon, which really brings people together we do things like TED Talks, and that's where people just present some uh, topic that they're interested in. I did a TED Talk last year. I, I took the company through a history of drag and drag queens, and I was as sassy as I could be. Um, I love that. And it was, it was a lot of fun. And we've had things like the origins of tequila and how to do beekeeping. It's fun ways to bring people together. And never underestimate having a thriving social environment. We pride ourselves on having good company socials, spending time together outside of you know, actual work. Because the closer you are, the, the more honest you'll be, the more comfortable you'll be, and flows through and you become a, a more effective team because of it. Mm. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think that's so, so important to talk about that sort of thriving culture. My final question to you then is what more should we all be doing in the sector to affect real inclusivity? So I think we need to make sure that we're advertising new roles as widely as possible. In order for you to get as many diverse candidates as possible, you need to be advertising roles in as many places as you can find. And that, that way you'll see candidates from a range of backgrounds and having that out there and uh, showing that, that you're not only willing but you're highly encouraging of different groups to come to you to work 
I think is, is a really important thing. You need to be visibly active when supporting diversity groups as well. So we do a lot in the company. It is very difficult for a company to do it outside of itself without it appearing, I'm going to use a young person term, woke. Yeah. <laughs> it's very difficult because, because you, if a company does that outside of itself, like in, in the public environment, it can come across as disingenuous. So I think where it can only be perceived as genuine is when you do it internally. We have a lot of groups um, and we do a lot of promotion for different diversity groups within the company. We celebrate our difference. And I think if more companies did that, they would have a more nurturing, encouraging and friendly environment in which to work. And I think those are the things that we really need to be doing to affect real inclusivity. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And I think that's a wonderful way to end the podcast. You know, that, that word nurturing, I think that's really, I think people forget that word within business. And I think that there is a huge responsibility for managers, for, for teams, for, for just people within businesses to look after one another. And nurturing, I, I'm really, really passionate about. So I've got to say, I think that was a fantastic pod. The amount that you have shared with us is great. I, I myself was trying to quietly type notes as you were talking, because I think there's so much that people can take away from this. And I urge the listeners, things that have been said today, take them to your team, take them to your bosses, encourage your business to be doing these things as well because together as an industry we can make real change happen authentic inclusion happen so jamie thank you so much for your openness your honesty it's been brilliant having you on the podcast today thanks so much Nadia. really really enjoyed it